0: The bridge on FM 969 The Game, powered by Advent Health.
1: That is correct, Advent Health. They are the proud partners, or they are proud partners. With your Orlando Magic, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Tampa Bay Lightning as well. To learn more, go to AdventHealth.com. What year are we in for musical theme? It was 72, Mike. 72. Oh, one of the great artists of all time, certainly the greatest Neil of all time, much better than Neil Diamond. This is Neil Young. Yeah. Neil Neil Young was so great that Ronnie Van Zandt and Leonard Skiddard wrote a song about him, sweet home Alabama, saying Southern man don't need him around anyhow.
0: Mark Daniels. Yeah, I don't think uh, Neil Young could have a career today. <laughs> Too political.
1: maybe you know, canceled Neil Young once said he was honored to be uh, in that song. It was such a great song.
0: Yeah.
1: There you have it. Daniels, uh, uh, speaking of political, uh, I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing right now. I'm having a debate on our text line about uh, Ron DeSantis' immigration policy.
0: There you go. It's a T- good tell me, to, st- good tell me to, st- to go down. Yeah. <laughs> tell me to stop, Daniel. Yeah. Maybe next you'll be in a political message board. <laughs>
1: I'm, debating, I'm debating one of our listeners on
0: Texas immigration.
1: Yeah. Huh? Yeah.
0: Daniels? I, I, I'm Any comments? Kidding. I'm not kidding anything. Come on, Daniels. Not, nope. Jump in. <laughs> uh, it's
1: National Best Friend Day it's never an today. Issue until
0: it actually impacts your life,
1: and it's like, oh, <laughs> <Right>. oh, <laughs> kind of interesting. Am I luring you in?
0: No, no. <laughs>
1: okay, okay. National Best Friend Day. Somebody just texts in that Tennessee Mark is his best friend because he can chug a beer faster than LeBron changes teams. Wow. <laughs> Remember when it was a stat? Well, you you were never a big beer drinker, Daniels. But back in the back in my like college days, it was a
0: status symbol how fast you could chug a beer. Remember? Oh yeah, I mean i <laughs> I remember Mike in Broward Hall, the University of Florida. The first time that we were in the uh, little common area, and it didn't matter what she looked like. The first girl that could chug a beer in seconds became the hottest chick on the floor. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was never a good beer chugger, though. I, I would always, you know, you know, spill the beer on the front of my shirt. I was trying to drink it so fast. Some guys could just open up their throat and essentially pour the beer down.
0: Yeah, sure. I, 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 and then you had some guys that just thought, well, it counts when, like, half the beer was on, on their shirt and chest. Like, you didn't chug no, that. Was I mean. just, yeah, I'm like, you, you, you're bathing <laughs> in suds it. right now. Like, what are you talking yes. about?
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. All right, uh, ask Mark question number one. Iron Sheik passes away yesterday, the great wrestling <laughs>
0: heel, at the age of 81. One of the most... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the most vulgar, uh, vulgar Twitter followers you could ever have. Vulgar yeah. was the perfect word. I was trying to find the exact. I think I used lewd or something like that earlier. Daniels. Yeah. Vulgar is the perfect word
1: for it. Yeah. I didn't know he became big on Twitter. Oh after yeah, his, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. He was. A, was he a regular on um, Howard Stern too? Not a regular, but he made some historic appearances. I mean, you know, the official. It's the Iron Cheek. It's not Iron Sheik. It's the Iron Sheik. It's his yeah, like actual the, name. yeah, like the Ohio State University, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay, so the the question we had, I don't follow wrestling anymore. I used to follow it back when the Iron Sheik and yeah. you know uh, other heels of the past, the Russian bad men, the great Malenko, you know, Volkov, some of these uh, Ivan Koloff. Do they still do nationalistic stereotype villains? Like the Iron Sheik, like I,
0: yeah, I don't, I don't watch as much. Uh, I mean, sometimes I'll tune in for the comedy of it. And my oldest daughter and her boyfriend are, are, are you know, big into wrestling. I say big. They, 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 they enjoy watching. Um, I don't think you're getting away with anywhere near the stuff that you used to. I think there may be some characters that push the line a little bit, um, but I mean, I was... you, you're not getting anywhere near what you used to have.
1: I mean, the Iron Sheikh became big during the Iran hostage crisis for crying out loud. yeah, and he was the typical Middle Eastern bad guy who ripped America and yeah, did the camel clutch was his finishing move, Daniels?
0: Yeah, good Lord yeah you can just imagine Vince and his dad and, and and the script writing for that, like, yeah, I got an idea why don't we why don't we go this route? And I'm like, yeah, let's go this route, but um yeah i I don't think you're pushing the envelope as much, and as Kelly pointed out, if you go back and take a look, Mike in the seventies and eighties, my God, some of the stuff that you know wrestling did um you you, you rightfully so couldn't get away with today
1: yeah. Um, also, uh, wanted to ask you about your thoughts on Rory's response to Live, uh, the Live PGA Tour merger. I I, I thought it was tremendous. I, I've always loved Rory McIlroy. I think he's very eloquent, very thoughtful. I'm not afraid to answer questions. And he came right out and said yesterday, listen, yeah, I, I, I feel like a sacrificial lamb, and I don't like Live. In fact, I hate Live. <laughs> The way he pronounces hate is, is kind of funny. Yeah. But but he came out and said, in the long run, this is what's best for the game at golf. Because if they're going to keep investing all of this, if the Saudis are going to keep investing all this money into golf, you'd rather be their friend than their enemy. And I, 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 I thought that was the perfect response.
0: Well, look, there's a reason why Roy mcelroy has been kind of the voice of this battle the last couple of years is that he speaks eloquently and passionately. And, Mike, you know, sometimes uh, athletes, hell, media people, will be in a situation like that and they say what they think is the right thing to say and you're not quite sure they mean it. I actually think Roy McElroy cares about the history of the PGA Tour mm-hmm. and the pioneers that came before him from Tiger Woods all the way down. And I think it matters to him. Um, And I think yesterday, this is what I took away, I think Roy understands the business side of why the uh, Saudi fund is doing what they're doing. And I think he even understands that he's in some awkward spots when you ask him about where he's played in the European tour, some of those tournaments, and who sponsored those tournaments. I think he's angry at Jay Monahan. I think he's absolutely furious at Monahan, even though he says we're. Although good. he he was given yeah. every chance to rip Monahan, but, but, but didn't. But I don't think that's Rory. But I think privately he's made it clear to Monahan, I don't like what you did, and, and maybe I don't like what you did because you didn't tell me what was going on, and how you kind of welcomed me to be that face for you and then you turn around and do this. So either A, I would have preferred that you give me an idea what's going on, and B, maybe not put your chips in uh, where you did. But I do think that Rory, at the end of the day, realized that the deal is done. So now how how does the sport benefit uh, from it? And if you read reports of the players-only meeting where there was a player not ranked as high as Rory that was yelling at Jay Monaghan, and Rory snapped and said, hey, play better, meaning, dude, you know, uh, the money thing is, it, it, it's on you. And I think Roy also knows. Guys like Roy McElroy, and we're not talking the Phil Mickelson deal. Mike, they're going to make a ton of money in this deal. Okay, yeah, yeah but, of course they are. But but guys, guys that are thirty through one twenty, do you realize what's going to change for them now? Like I said yesterday, those six to eight million dollar purses are going to become twenty. Those twenty million dollar purses are going to become thirty and forty. Those guys that are 30 through 120, that it used to be a big deal when they made, Mike, a million, two million, you remember that? Like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Those guys now are going to make like six, eight million dollars a year. And I Everybody's going to make more money. Right. And I think what Roy's saying is that's how everyone in some ways is going to benefit. Fans will get the best players back playing. Guys that are ranked behind me are going to make money that they never thought about making. I still think he's very upset about how it went down and how, you know, it's like we're talking wrestling and scripted uh, uh, storylines. I think Roy's not happy the way the script ended up looking the last 18 months. And But I think he also is professional enough to realize we'll get over it. A- a- and I may not like how it happened, um, but we'll get over it. I still do wonder, even though I, I-, I will admit Monaghan... Looks as if he's got a better chance of surviving, but I still question if he's the commissioner in a year.
1: Hey, real quick, Rory pretty much made it clear, hey, these these live defectors are not going to be just welcomed back without any ramifications. What do you think he meant by
0: that? Well, one, I still think there's a level of uncomfort with the way uh, the live players went about their business, and Rory's bothered by that. There are a lot of contractual issues that still remain. For example, um, I don't know what Phil Mickelson's deal is, or Dustin Johnson, if these guys had deals with Live to be paid X amount of dollars on a yearly basis, does that go away? I mean, it's a fair question to ask. I mean, forget Phil's deal, but let's say Dustin Johnson and whatever report, a hundred to two hundred million dollars. Let's say he was set to get twenty million a year for five years, or twenty million a year for ten years. Is that going away? I don't think so. Well, then that's I think what Rory's kind of talking about is and. And, uh, and I don't know how you figure all that out. Like, he, he was asked yesterday about what about compensating yourself or others, and he kind of chuckled as, I don't know, it's a discussion. So there's a lot of things that um, still lie ahead uh, for them, but I thought Rory handled it well yesterday.
1: Straight ahead, how jealous should we be that Messi is taking his talents to South Beach? We'll get into that. Also, NBA and college football talk coming your way on the bridge.
0: I never meant to call you when I never
1: meant to call you when pain. Welcome back to the bridge, brought to you by Advent Health. It is time to feel whole with Advent Health. For more information, go to adventhealth.com. Do you, uh, Daniels, before,
0: do you step into a closet?
1: No, my internet cut off for a minute, but it's getting ready to click back on. So oh. I, I'm I'm on the cell phone now. Okay. But Daniels, before we go off the air in Tallahassee, I don't want to sound like a state of Florida whiner, okay? Yeah. But we played a clip from Florida State softball, softball coach Lonnie Alameda earlier this morning, and you could tell she was annoyed at having to play the College World Series every year in Oklahoma City. Is there any remedy to
0: that? Uh, beat Oklahoma. Well, yeah. It's hard to beat Oklahoma. No, no, no. If Creighton goes to the College World Series four straight years, are we going to move it from Omaha? If 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 USC uh, had dominated the you know the Rose Bowl for five, or, or UCLA, it's their home field, dominated for five straight years, would we move the Rose Bowl? And before you move it, okay, and uh, I don't know if Mike's uh, back. Um, before you move the, the, the Women's College World Series from where it is, understand it is a $100-plus hundred plus million stadium that fills up and does well even when Oklahoma's not playing. So if you're going to move it somewhere, can you match the economics of that? And I'm not quite sure you can.
1: Well, it's just not fair to have the best. You know, one of the best teams in college softball history,
0: hosting. And you know what? They've not been the dominant team every year that the event's been there. There just happen to be a team right now that has a dynastic run. But why would you move an event that is a money machine? And and are you moving it to something equivalent when it comes to the facilities?
1: All right, we're going to pause right now
0: for station identification. Just one more point on that. There's been talk in recent years about taking the, the college baseball regionals mm-hmm. and moving them to neutral sites, that it's such mm. an advantage, you know, for, for particularly SEC schools when these tournaments are played at their stadium. And for years, I I believed in that, saying It it's just ridiculous because college baseball's problem and softball's a little bit like this. I could tell you right now, I could probably – successfully guess eight of the regional sites next year in college baseball. Meaning those teams will have good years, and because they have great attendance, they will be picked uh, to host a regional site. But I learned that, okay, if you do that, look at the economic model. There's a reason you go to LSU, to Florida, to some of these dominant places, because there's 4, six, eight, 10, 12,000 people there. And the dollars are real. If you move to the neutral sites and and, and games draw 500 or 1,000 people, the economic model doesn't make sense. So I understand you just happen to get Oklahoma in this dynastic run, but it's not like since they moved it there every year they won a championship. It's all about the money, isn't it? Well, wait till PIF buys that (laughs) event.
1: Hey, PIF couldn't buy Messi, though, could they, Daniels? Huh? They could not buy Lionel Messi. He's so big, the Saudis
0: couldn't even buy him. How about that? Yeah, he still may end up with about the same money, though. (laughs) Daniels, we played a
1: clip from from one of the Premier League uh, uh, announcers earlier just talking about how big this is. It would be like LeBron picking up and going to play basketball. In China, how big is this for MLS, for Inner Miami, for Apple TV, and how can Apple TV and and some of these other entities be contributing to the deal? Isn't that sort of a conflict of interest of some sort?
0: Well, a, a lot that you put on the table there, so let me kind of say this, and, and we sometimes use this term, but it always is in that moment compared to moments before. It's the most significant moment in the history of MLS. Mm-hmm. Hard stop. Now, there have been other moments before, but this is the latest and biggest moment uh, ever uh, for uh, the league. Um, it, it it elevates MLS in many ways. Uh, in all due respect to David Beckham, in all due respect to Kaká, in all due respect to Zlatan, and anybody else that's had international fame in soccer, no one compares to this person. And while you're getting him at 35, he still remains one of the best players in the world, From a skill standpoint, Uh, MLS, remember, for years has operated as one entity, Mm -hmm. meaning the league controlled its teams and things like that. Uh, As ownership rules have changed over the years, the owners have bought into the concept that in order to help our sport grow, and if the sport grows and the value of our franchise has also increased, sometimes we have to take a look as a group about what is a business deal that helps all of us. And that is what's taken place here. It's not the first time this has happened. Nothing like this on this level. The same type of uh, things were done to you know, David Beckham, uh, Zlatan when he was here. A uh, little bit for Kaká, but not to this level. And today, every MLS franchise is worth more money than it was yesterday. And in the years to come, if he is to play with some health for the next few years leading into the 26th World Cup. And if he is to come back and play for the defending champions, you can't put a price tag on what this means to soccer in this country and to the value of MLS. So because of that, the league and its owners and its sponsors get together and made this happen. Now, there are other reasons. For example, his wife prefers to raise their children here. She made that very clear. She was not interested in going to Saudi Arabia Um And then from the economics of it, uh, from equity in some form with the Miami franchise, uh, the partnership with Apple to get a piece of what now is going to be a massive increase in subscriptions, the Adidas deal, and other opportunities. I don't even know what the price tag's going to be for him, not just in the first year, but in years to come. But it'll be significant. It seems to me, though, Daniels, and...
1: Is, you you saying the league is going to do what it can to you know up its uh, uh platform and up its um notoriety and all of that but it seems though you mentioned beckham you mentioned and now messi when these when these huge stars come to play in mls it seems like they're going to the sort of the glitzy markets miami L.A. for Beckham. Um, Kaká did come to Orlando, but that was essentially because of his relationship with Flavio. Um, so, h- how do you keep how do you keep the big stars? And we, we talk about this in the NBA all the time from from gravitating like enter Miami. They stink. They're they're in last place in the in the uh, Eastern Conference, but because they're in Miami, they're getting messy, right?
0: Yeah, what's your question, though?
1: My question is, how do you prevent the big
0: markets from getting the big stars? You don't. Okay. <laughs> I mean, my, my, so, Mike. So live with it? My, Mike, let me, uh, 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 like you were mentioning earlier that I think someone texted about, you know, what does it say uh, uh, about what they're doing for Messi, what if the NBA wanted Jokic you know, to play for the Lakers. Two leagues in different situations. Everybody in the world recognizes the best professional basketball league is the NBA. Everybody recognizes the best baseball is MLB. The best football is the NFL. MLS is not the premier, pun intended, league when it comes to soccer. So it's going to be different because those other leagues don't need to establish themselves when it comes to their sport. They are established. And your point about Messi going to where he's going in future stars, I talked about this briefly yesterday, you know, with the little uh, clip from uh, Damian Lillard. Mike, who's got a better chance of landing, I mean, top-level free agents of the NBA in years to come? The Lakers, the Heat, maybe someday the Knicks, or the Pacers, or the Bucks or other small to mid-market teams. They will always struggle to land someone that they didn't draft for the same reasons that people choose to live in some of those cities. And that's not going to change whether it's MLS uh, or the NBA and to some degree to the other sports as well. The NFL is a little bit different by their salary structure, but that's not new, and that's not going to change in years to come. By the way, um, uh,
1: somebody just texted me whose uh, whose son works in the Orlando City uh, ticket sales and said... the ticket sales for Orlando City for Inter-Miami games is like off, off the charts. Well, they
0: sent a say, I mean, they sent a release out yesterday, but, but let me just say this. There's a lot of people that are gambling. I mean, there are people that bought up tickets, and first off, he, he's not even eligible for July 5th when the uh, transfer window opens for MLS. But when you take a look at the MLS schedule for Miami, they have a couple of League's Cup matches that some people think the one in late July may be his first one, which would be a, a non-MLS game. But it's possible he may not play a home game for Miami until late August. So some people that are gambling to buy tickets in these other cities where Miami's going to play, and I get it. Don't be shocked that he's not playing. Okay, I, I, I'm not... Yeah. I don't think he's about to step in after playing a year at PSG coming off the World Cup and what that cram schedule was. I'm not quite sure he's in a rush to get on the field, and people that suddenly, instead of paying 50 paid 600 bucks for a ticket in Charlotte. Don't be shocked if guess who's not playing that night. I was reading a story this morning. I don't remember where I read
1: it. Um, but they said this deal is not done just yet. mm mm-hmm.
0: So, so it could still fall through. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think, uh, and uh, it, it was Messi's own words yesterday. I think this is probably more of clarity to some of these things, like the Apple deal and and, and whatever else. You know, whether it's bonus or tied to sales, that makes it very complicated. It's not a standard player uh, agreement. So, uh, I, I would imagine with that, there still comes some things, but they would not have gone to the extent they did. Him. With the statement that he did, he wrote a letter basically apologizing to Barcelona fans why it 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 didn't work out. I think he's made it clear where they are. It just may be legally um, the deal is not yet done.
1: So we all know uh, Inter Miami's been trying to get a new stadium built. Uh, They they play in Fort Lauderdale now. Is this? I mean, is this going to assure them of a new stadium being built, or will they play at Hard Rock? How, well, how funding, many
0: fa- well, the funding deal's done for the new stadium in Miami. There's a little bit more about politics and the land itself that have been some barricades to overcome. But they did get the funding approved, um, and now it's still the steps of beginning to truly uh, build a stadium. I do think something like this probably fast-tracks that. Uh, you don't build a stadium in six months, though. It's a billion-dollar project that likely will end up being probably $1.5 when it's done. Uh, but I'm curious about a few things that come out of this. Um, that stadium in Fort Lauderdale, whatever it's called, but to me it will always be Lockhart Stadium. It seats 18,000. Mm-hmm. Um, does the league look and say, are there a few games that we can maybe move to hard rock uh, just because of the interest? I don't know. The other thing that I'm going to find really interesting, and Scott knows this uh, and, and can chime in, part of the uh, Apple deal and Scott with the league wanted was that uniforms start on Saturday night for games at a certain time, correct?
1: Yes. Yeah, Which that's why all 7 games are 7.30, 30, yeah.
0: Um, I'll be curious if they bend that a little bit because while it fits with the South American time zone, if you want to re- – and I mean big numbers, like millions – if you want to lure in the European crowd – I'm not quite sure 12.30 and 1.30 in the morning on a Saturday night is ideal for them. So do you look mm. and see, hey, do we tweak it and maybe we've got a 3 o'clock game and a few teams do that where it then fits primetime audience in Europe? Because for Apple, this isn't just about getting sign-ups in the U.S. It's not about signups in Central and South America. It is about Europe and the millions and millions of people that love watching Messi and do they tweak that schedule to maybe say, "Hey, on Saturday, you know, we may have a well. Look at that; it's the Saturday game of the week. That's at three o'clock, and it's Miami this week again. <laughs> you know, so does
1: does, does Messi assure wherever M- inner Miami plays their games? Does, does he assure that every game's going to be sold out? Like yes. you mentioned, hey, yes. move some games yes. to Hard Rock. Do they sell off, sell out Hard Rock?
0: Well, I think they would pick the right games if you did that. I mean, no disrespect to some teams, um, but I mean to play you your major mark. And Scott and I were talking about this the other day. L.A., New York teams. Um, you know, the, Lionel Messi is that. going
1: to pack Yankee Stadium.
0: Oh, he could mm. just show up and dribble for two hours, and they would get. What do you mean? Those. Because that's where yeah. that team plays. Yeah.
1: No, this isn't. A, this isn't as big
0: as when Pele signed with the Cosmos. It's significantly bigger. Yeah. What, Mike? When Pele comes here in the seventies, he truly is on the backside of his career, and the NASL is nothing in the states like MLS and World Soccer is. When when Pele came here, you you struggled to find highlights of European soccer anywhere on American television, and when David Beckham came here, as significant as that was, if you take a look at the US Pele coverage. was only 34 when he joined the Cosmos. Messi's 35. So, and in all due respect, Boom. where Boom. soccer was both in the world and in the United States, nothing comparable. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Pele had a significant impact, but this is just a different level because of where the world is and where this country is regarding soccer compared to where it Daniels, was. Daniels, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I don't really believe that. I was just rattling. No, there are some keys. old guard people that still tell you that. And and, and, I, and I, I'm i I'm not diminishing what Pele's impact was. But, you know, this is, it's significantly differ, different, even in the caliber level of play of Beckham to Messi. Beckham didn't embarrass himself when he came here. Um, he still played at a high level. But Messi still is one of the world's best players. Nobody would argue that. Well, with also, Beckham it was, yeah, backside. They're
1: also two different players. Like Messi scores goals. Like Messi is like getting hat tricks in World Cup games. Like David Beckham is not that kind of they're two completely different players. Right, he just He was, was the MB, uh, Messi was the MVP of the World Cup.
0: Exactly. Yes. Beckham yeah. was not Beckham was a great player but different kind of player. And my and by the way Mike, y- y- you can't put a price tag. Forget everything that he stands to make. You can't put a price tag if the assumption is that he's got two years and maybe an option for the third year in 26 of going into the World Cup and he's playing here in this country and he Mm. decides one more time the defending champions will have Messi. You can't put a price tag on that.
1: Now, Kaká was only 32 when he signed with Orlando City, but he was on the backside of his career, right? He, He wasn't nearly as good when or,
0: at, at Orlando City right. as he was when he was the FIFA player of the year. And an excellent player in his prime, but not messy.
1: Yeah. Just know.
0: you know. I mean Kaká was Yeah, he Takah was yeah, right Kakao, Kaka won in
1: FIFA Player of the Year one time. Messi's won it seven times.
0: So. Right, and, and as you pointed out, the relationship with the ownership here, the league bent a little bit to, to help it happen. And, and 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 I think he was great for the time that he was here. No one will ever forget that first game. Um, mm-hmm. But not even on the same planet. Mm. Yeah. Back with more okay. of the uh, bridge brought to Bavin Health next.
1: Mm. Let's talk some politics <laughs> with Ted Nugent. <laughs> is, he, is he running CNN now? Uh, 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 no, but when when there was
0: <laughs> uh,
1: when there was the insurrection at the Capitol, I think Ted Nugent. I thought it was Ted Nugent in that big buffalo. Bill Hat. Looked like Ted Nugent
0: to me, a young Ted Nugent. So I was um I just read, you know, Alan Shipnick is the golf writer, mm-hmm. The one that had the Phil Mickelson story first, right? Yeah. The one who started all this. Right. So I just read his latest piece. And mm-hmm. I I think you would agree. Alan has sources, is certainly someone that that, that has No question. Um he What's writes, that website? Uh Fire Pit Collective. Yeah, that's right. As he writes, he says Live is going nowhere. He said that anybody that thinks that it's done is wrong and he explains why. And it's hard to finish reading his piece and go, nah, that's all wrong. The- well Bob
1: I don't know if it was Bob Herrig, but Somebody from SI.com wrote something about Greg Norman and had a meeting with all of his Liv people, and he essentially told
0: them, we're, yeah. we're here to stay. He sent them an email, and everybody thought that it was Greg saying goodbye, and he says, we're going nowhere. If anything, we're about to be stronger. And as Alan wrote in the piece, the individual that heads the personal investment fund, PIF, that Liv has been such a passion of his and is so invested... That it's going nowhere. And as Alan does right, Jay Monahan now reports to him. Okay, to I mean, who? The person behind the personal investment fund. Okay, uh, but not to Greg Norman. No. No. But their sense is um, probably still 10 to 12 tournaments, either on weekends that there's not a, not major, but bigger PG event, going against some of the smaller PG events, or even competing head-to-head using the team model of maybe six live teams and then six teams that PGA guys put together themselves um, and just said that there's no way that because it's been such a passion of the individual behind the fund that there's no way they're just going to let that die and that there's too many contractual agreements. Like I said before, who pays Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson was promised? That anybody that thinks live is dead is wrong. Now, yesterday I thought that 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 there's no need for it, and again we're learning there's so many things still to be worked out. But if you read Alan's piece, you're like, hmm, maybe they're not going anywhere.
1: Daniels, I went to the live tournament in Orlando. I liked, I, I mean, as far as being a fan on site, I liked it. I liked the live tournament. I liked the live format. Maybe they could make the live format and the, the you know the live tour. Maybe they could make that sort of like, you know,
0: for lack of a better term, the triple A of the PGA Tour. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, Yasir Al Ramayan, who's that's the person who likes to be known as H E, by the way. But um, okay. he he has no interest in what you just suggested, according to Alan. Okay. And, and, and 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 as Alan writes, and you can see who now owns golf. And to yeah. some degree this one person and this fund now basically has the power. While there'll be a board that the PGA is putting together with this new entity, and uh Yasir Al Ramayan will be basically the head of that as Alan Wright, Make no mistake, there's one person now that will control everything. Money Well, they're the major inv- they're the major investor right.
1: in this whole thing and right. they're the
0: they're the PGA Tour's major sponsor now. Right. So his point is that as long as he doesn't want it to go anywhere, it's not going anywhere. And that he sees this as an opportunity, he meaning yes, here I'll remind sees this as a chance to grow Live and to continue to build that brand while offering, you know, the PGA tour opportunities that it wasn't able to do before. So this is still fascinating on so many levels. And like most mergers whatever you might call this, as really as merger an emerger. Just because it's announced, it's years before things settle into whatever it's going to be. And my guess is that's going to happen here with golf, PGA Tour Live. It may be 2025, 2026 before you go, oh, okay, so this is now what they're doing. And there's still much to be uh, sorted out. Uh, but Allen writes that anybody that thinks those three letters are, are, are going... They're not going anywhere because the guy that basically well, Rory, Rory, also,
1: McElroy, Rory said yesterday he thought they were going to be gone. Well, He thought Liv was going to be gone. It, he said he so hates Liv. And, and if he reads yeah.
0: Alan's piece, he may still feel the same way, or, or he may say, great, i got to deal with this um, you know, for, 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 for years to come. And look, what's not going to change, not just Rory McElroy, and anybody else that felt those group of golfers that left were wrong, Mike, you know this, I'm not going to stand on the first thing and go, hey, we're cool. You know, and, and if they keep giving Bryson DeChambeau a live microphone, it's only going to make it worse, for crying out loud. Like, whoever thought it was a good idea to put him on CNN for an interview, my God. Um, what did he say yesterday? Oh, my God. He just, it, 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 I mean, whether it was about 9-11, whether it was questions about the fund, it was just like, sometimes it's good to say, hey, can't do it. Thank you for the invite. <laughs> you know what? I mean, if you don't really know what you may be asked and and have an answer, then then just say, "Hey, thank you for the invite. I I, I just can't make it." Why would they put the meathead? I don't. Well, um, I mean, huh? right now it's CNN. Who the hell knows who's running that place? So anything's possible. But you watch. <laughs> no, I don't like, blame CNN, but but who
1: from from Live thought it was a good idea to put the meathead on on national TV? It's a five
0: minute clip, a... and like ninety seconds in, it's just so cringeworthy. Like, oh my god. Please don't ask him another question. Like, go to break. Anything. Just don't ask him another question. I, I didn't actually see
1: the interview. I, I read a couple of the... Didn't it, didn't somebody ask him about 9-11 and he said, that well, everybody makes mistakes? No, oh, it was an something? interview with
0: Caitlin Collins. I mean, she did the interview and he just... He, he, like, I don't know what he and his people thought she was going to ask about I mean, she wasn't going to say, hey, how do he you hit a ball 330 yards? Or what's it like to have 90 <laughs> yards to the green over water? She's not going to ask that question. And whoever was prepping him, it's kind of like, yeah, no, she won't ask any of that stuff. And, like, right out of the box, and he's like, oh. Uh, could, you, could you tell he was uncomfortable? Yes. Well, one, uncomfortable, and two, just clueless. Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> just clueless. Like, wow. Hmm. Uh, so, anyway. Peace, love, boil peanuts. Have a great show. Hi, Mike, thank you. Scott's back today. Thursday, this should be the sports, and it kicks off next.